Our scripture reading for today is from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath, from Gath, whose height was nearly ten feet. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. This is the word of the Lord. This morning we are in week two of our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, and we are calling it EHS for short, and this course is all about opening your heart to God so that we might grow emotionally and spiritually. That, does that sound good, to, to grow emotionally and spiritually? To, to become more free and open and loving people, the, God, the people who God intends us to be. And today's topic is know God that you might know yourself. Know God that you may know yourself. 
And last week we were introduced to Israel's first king, King Saul. And King Saul's life looked good on the surface. Saul was tall and handsome. Saul worshiped the God. Outwardly, he had plenty of religious activities. And as Israel's first king, Saul was a successful commander and chief. Beneath the surface, Saul was unhealthy. And we know Saul was unhealthy beneath the surface because he had a growing appetite to bring honor, fame, and glory, not to God, but to himself. As a result, God rejects Saul as Israel's king. That's how we ended up last week, with grieving Saul and grieving God and a grieving prophet, Samuel. For Israel's second king, God desires a different kind of king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, we see the kind of king that God desires. Here's the one job requirement for the position of the second king of Israel. Here it is. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. Let's ask ourselves together, what does it mean to be a man a woman, a a young person after the Lord's heart. What would it mean for you? What does it mean for me to be after the Lord's heart? Take take a moment and, and think about that. Have you ever had a high school crush? Have you ever had a healthy infatuation? Have you ever been in love? If yes then you probably know what it means to be after someone's heart. And I bet when you were after her heart or after his heart, you were not passive in that relationship. Maybe stealthily, you were very actively pursuing that person. Before my wife Melissa and I were married, I remember being after Melissa's heart. Though my future sisters-in-law nicknamed me Pastor No Game, I had at least some game because I did put a ring on it. At that time, I was like a man like many of you men. I despised talking and talking and talking, especially on the phone. But when it came to Melissa, night after night, I was willing to talk on the phone. In fact, I would often talk on the phone until my iPhone 1 died, or Melissa would hear me snoring on the other end of the line. I was after her heart. I learned that one of her love languages was words of affirmation. I grew up in a household where we showed love through action. We did not share our feelings. Yet I knew that my words carried weight with Melissa. So do you know what I did? I did something that I never thought I would do. I bought pink construction paper. I cut out hearts what appeared at least to be hearts, and I wrote on each heart one thing that I loved about Melissa. I was after her heart. 
When we weren't together, I was thinking of her. I did things that I never thought I would do. I became involved in a long-distance relationship, and I would drive long distances just to be with her. I wanted to know her, serve her, and show her I loved her because I was after her heart. So when you ask that question, what does it mean to be after someone's heart? You probably know what it means to be after your beloved's heart. So when we hear the verse, the Lord has sought for himself for king, a man after his own heart, we have an idea of what it means to be after the Lord's heart. A person who is after the Lord's heart is not passive. He or she is actively pursuing a relationship with the Lord. A person after the Lord's heart rearranges their schedules to be with the Lord. A person after the Lord's heart listens to God's word and talks to God. But, but not, not necessarily this formal prayer time, but talks to God throughout their day as if they were talking to a true friend. A person who is after the Lord's heart does what he or she can to know the Lord, serve the Lord, and to love the Lord. The Lord has sought for himself men, women, and young people who are after his own heart. And whether you're aware of it today or not, I, I think, I believe that, that you're here today because there's a part of your soul that has a desire for the Lord, that you are after the Lord's heart. And the Lord is seeking people for himself who are after his heart, which means the Lord has a heart. We're, we're very confused in this day and age. We, we, many believe that the Lord is an impersonal force, that they confuse the, the, the Lord God Almighty with the universe. God is not a distant or impersonal force. The Lord has a heart. And the scripture is clear about the heart of the Lord. In the Lord, there, the Lord is light, and in him there is no darkness. In other words, the Lord is pure-hearted. The Lord loves you wholeheartedly, completely, and unashamedly without any hesitation. He is the Lord who has sought for himself men and women and children who are after his heart. You know why? Because he is the Lord who is after your heart. And isn't it the best feeling in the world when there is someone who you really like who is after your own heart? It's hard to top that. And that's how the Lord feels when you and I fulfill the greatest commandment, the, the, the commandment that Jesus calls the summary of the Old Testament law, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Lord seeks people who are after his heart because the Lord is after your heart. And in 1 Samuel 16, the Lord sends the prophet Samuel to find a man who is after his heart and to make him king of Israel. And the prophet Samuel is sent to the little town of Bethlehem to the house of Jesse. Jesse has eight sons. If you feel as if you have your hands full with your kids, can you imagine eight 
sons, eight sons to tell to stop climbing on the furniture, eight sons to, to, to tell them to stop hitting one another. Jesse has eight sons, and at this stage in the game, his sons are grown men, all but one. And here, here's what the Word of God says, that Samuel comes to the house of Jesse, and Samuel finds the eldest son, and the eldest son's name is Eliab. And Eliab, like Saul, is tall. He, he outwardly, he looks fit to be king. And Samuel says, here it is. Here's the one I am to anoint as the next king. And the Lord says to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. Don't judge by his outward looks because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man or woman sees. The Lord looks at the heart. And when Samuel sees Jesse come in, excuse me, when Samuel sees David, the youngest son, come in from the fields. David is not taller than all the rest. But the Lord says to Samuel, anoint him. This 15-year-old boy, he is the next king of Israel. And so Samuel takes his horn and it's full of oil and he pours that oil and anoints David to be the next king. And something happens when David is anointed. It's not just that David is covered with oil. The, the word of God says that the spirit of, of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. David was about 15 years old. This means as a teenager, as a young person, David was after the Lord's heart. You're never too young. You're never too old to be after the Lord's heart. Many of us, when we're praying for ourselves or our children or our grandchildren or our nieces and our nephews, we, we wonder what, what, what to pray, what do we say? Well, here's, here's a prayer for you, for yourself and for, for your family members. Lord, make me, make her, make him, make them a people who go after your very heart and send your Holy Spirit to come upon them. This is what happens to David at the age of 15. And at this point in David's young life, we know four things about David. He has been anointed to be the next king of Israel. He has the power of the Holy Spirit. There were no child labor laws, so he is a full-time shepherd working out in his father's fields. And David is musical. David plays the harp. Shepherds practically lived out in the fields with their sheep. And it was out in the fields when nobody was looking that David learned to commune with the Lord. It was when David was at work that David was speaking with the Lord, having a conversation with the Lord as if the Lord were his friend. It was after out in the fields that David was after the Lord's heart. With no one around to host Bible studies, the, David meditated upon the Word of God. At a young age, David learned to praise the Lord through the playing of his harp. It was David the shepherd boy who would later write these famous words from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. David the shepherd learned to be led and satisfied and restored by his shepherd who was the Lord. At work and at home, David prayed and praised and studied the word of the Lord. Do you know that uh, the, the prayer book in the Bible is the book of Psalms? 
There are 150 prayers that are written that are meant to be sung. 73 of those 150 psalms were written by David. David is after the Lord's heart, and David knows the Lord. So so here's the turn. You ready? Here's what happens. Here's what you can expect to happen when you are after the Lord's heart, when when you begin to actively pursue a relationship with the Lord, and you know the Lord, not just about the Lord, but you have a relationship with the Lord. Know God that you may know yourself. This young man who knows the Lord knows himself. Uh, David's identity is not something that David has to determine for himself or search for for himself because it is the Lord who gives David his purpose and his personhood. David's identity comes from the Lord. When the prophet Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David, the Lord was proclaiming to David who David is. The Lord was showing David who he made David to be. David the shepherd is David the king. David, uh, the, 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 the eighth of eight sons is David the anointed one, David the chosen one, David the next king of Israel. And so David receives this clear message about his personhood from the Lord. This is why we say, know God that you may know yourself. We, we live in an age where people are struggling with their own identity. That, that many are, are experiencing a young life identity crisis, a midlife identity crisis, a late life identity crisis. And David experienced no such identity crisis because when he knew who God was, he could know who he was. And what that required was simple. It meant going after the heart of the Lord. And in the story of Goliath, it's really exciting because what we see in the story of David and Goliath, this famous story, is someone who knows who God is, knows who he is, and now becomes who God intended him to be. In front of our very eyes, we see David uh, becoming who God created him to be and who God empowered him to be. David is being his true self. And so once again, in this story of David and Goliath, the Israelites are at war with the Philistines. And and if you read through the book of Samuel and the book of Judges, they are constantly at war with the Philistines. And in this particular story, it was 40 days that Saul's army, the army of Israel, was lined up on one hillside. And for 40 days, it was the Philistines who were lined up on the other hillside. And there was a valley between them and Goliath. The tallest man in the battlefield is coming down into the valley and he's sneering and taunting and bullying the soldiers of Saul's army. And the scripture tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 4 that Goliath is a champion. That's actually the first thing we learn about Goliath. We, We always focus on how tall he was. But before we get to his height, we learn his position within the army. He is a champion. The Hebrew word champion means man in between. And did you know in ancient armies, every army had a 
champion or was at least searching for a champion. The champion is the one who goes in between his army and the enemy's army down into the valley. And the champion demands the enemy's champion for a one-on-one battle to the death. Champion versus champion. And here's how it worked. If your champion defeated their champion, your army won the war. You didn't have to fight. Your enemies became your prisoners. But if your champion lost to their champion, you didn't have to fight the war, but you became your enemies' prisoners because you had lost the war when your champion was killed. Now, the great news is only one person has to die. The, the kind of nervous news is your life was in your champion's hands. And in the ancient world, the champion was almost always the tallest soldier. The reason is ancient warfare was unlike modern warfare. In modern warfare, often we kill at a distance. In, in ancient warfare, you killed at arm's length. You killed face to face. And so if you were the tallest, you had a strategic advantage in battle. Well, who's the tallest on the side of the Israelites? Who's the tallest of all the land? It is their first king, King Saul. And so what is the tallest doing while Goliath is sneering and taunting his army? Well, the answer is King Saul is hiding in his tent. Like the rest of his army, he is gripped by fear. Saul was supposed to be Israel's champion. But King Saul sees Goliath and refuses to be a champion. Meanwhile... David, who was at home tending to his father's flocks, is sent by his dad to the front lines to drop off bread and cheese. I see, David, what's bread and cheese, right? I had some last night. Pizza. David was the pizza delivery guy. His dad sent him to drop off a pie. But David hears Goliath taunting, the same taunts he's been giving twice a day. And remember, when David arrives at the camp, he knows who the Lord is. He knows who he is. And so David also knew God's promises. He knew God's word. And God's word was this. This land belongs to the people of God. And so when David hears Goliath sneering and taunting, David is not afraid. Everyone else is afraid they lack courage, but David is not afraid. David is angry. David is offended because David understands this. He who taunts God's army taunts God himself. And no one was willing to stand up to this one who was willing to stand up and against his God. And David is filled with courage and hope and faith because David had been going after the Lord's heart. And so David said, I will not tolerate it enough. And David goes to King Saul. And King Saul tries to dress him up in Saul's armor and Saul's tunic, and it doesn't fit. And so David says, let me go out there. And let me be the person God has created me to be. I'm not going to dress up and pretend to be like you or to be someone else. I will be the man that God has called me to be. Let me go out there. Israel needs a champion and I'm Israel's champion. And the confidence and the hope and the faith rises to the surface. And though David's brothers won't admit it, David is Israel's champion. And though Goliath won't admit it, 
David is Israel's champion. And though Saul can't see it, David is Israel's champion. This is who the Lord has made him to be. And David shouts to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin? I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And David put a single stone in that sling and he slung that stone and it hit Goliath right in the forehead, sank into that big old forehead of Goliath and Goliath went down. And the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And just because it's the second service and I can't resist, it's the, it's the, the man-child in me and David got on top of him and he cut off his head. I told you, not necessary, but I couldn't contain myself. Israel had their champion. You know why David could be a champion? Because David knew his champion. And David's champion was the Lord. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I put a lot of pressure on myself to do great things. I put a lot of pressure on myself to be a great dad, to be a great son, to, to be a great husband, to be a great pastor. And that's a lot of weight to carry. When we feel like we have to do something great to feel good about ourselves. And I, and I often tell myself, if, if I was only a little bit better, if I could just do it a little more perfectly, then everything would be okay. But I've realized something through this story. I don't need to be a champion in anything. You don't need to be a champion or great at anything in order to feel good about yourself or to justify who you are or your existence here. The reason is God didn't just give Israel King David and leave us alone. God sent for you and I another champion, and that champion's name is Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us run the race with perseverance that has been marked out for us, fixing our eyes on our pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The word pioneer is the Hebrew equivalent to the word champion. Jesus Christ is our champion, and he is the champion who has come from the line of David, born in the little town of Bethlehem. And while David slayed the giant named Goliath, Jesus Christ has slayed the giant named Satan. While David put his life at risk to save his people, Jesus Christ gave his life to save his people. While David went into the valley of the shadow of death to take on the giant, Jesus Christ entered into death itself. And while David won the battle against the Philistine on that day, Jesus Christ won the war against sin and death once and for all. Jesus Christ is our champion. You don't need to be a champion. Just put your life in the hands of the one who is the champion, Christ himself. You don't need to win the hearts of people. Just make your life about chasing after the Lord's very heart. And when you know who he is, and when you know what he's done for you, then you'll be free to be who God has created you to be. And I have to tell you, just as we witnessed it in the story of David and Goliath, David becoming the one who God intended him to be, I speak on behalf of the church that we can't wait 
to see you become the person God has intended you to be. And remember, it all starts with the simple step of becoming a man, a woman, or a child who is willing to go after the Lord's heart. May it be so on this day and on the days to come to the glory of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we all say together, Amen.